Well, this is a kind of a historic meeting we're having, ladies and gentlemen, because it's the last one. Now, we'll have to take a few moments of silence for crying and tears and <laughs> tearful farewells. And uh, my right-hand man here, William, and I are going to have to debrief. He's been here all the time. And if I should drop dead during this presentation, he'll stand right up and take right over. And, uh, what, right, William? He's got the notes. That's right. Now, I get off the subject, as you know, because because I want to share with you more. Wouldn't that be right? Uh, we want you to just get the big... And I've got to... Uh, Mike, I'm gonna, maybe I told this story at church. church. Uh, uh, we've got a visitor, this guy with his gray hair and all that over here. And show him your gray hair, Michael. And, uh, I'm you. <laughs> I stayed at his house. He's got... He's got a nice wife and children, and his his kids are in the kind of like little league or something, aren't they? The baseball and all, it's it's so sweet. But, um, and so I may have told this story when I was through church, I don't know. Uh, there was, this happened way back in the days of, uh, this is in Africa, and uh, before Land Rovers and airplanes and all this, this is when the... Uh, uh, the missionaries, when they had to go someplace, they had to walk there. And by the way, there's, uh, I think he's the financial guy of this convention. His name is Tom, and he's from, uh, from uh, Kenya. And so, and so when I heard he had a little accent, and this is what I'll do sometime, if I hear somebody with a little accent, I'll say, what other language do you speak? <coughs> Isn't that a nice, polite way of smoking them out? And... Uh, so he said, uh, Swahili. And I said, uh, does jumbo mean anything to you? And he said, it means hello. I'm fluent. And uh, so, so anyway, uh, uh, have you ever heard the word safari? Now, now you think of safari as Tarzan. You know, that's a Tarzan movie, safari and pith helmets and everything. Safari is a Swahili word that means trip. And so, when I was over there, they'd say, Pastor Phil, how's your safari? And you'd think I'd have bearers, you know, walking along. You know. No, it means trip. And so anyway, this, uh, this missionary, when he would uh, go on safari, he'd be, you know, visiting the mission stations and all. He had to walk there, and he would walk on these paths through this tall grass, elephant grass, or whatever they call it. And he always carried this big hunting, this big rifle with him, just in case he would come one day face to face with a man-eating lion. Nothing had happened all those years until today. He was walking along and he made a little bend, you know, in the path, and he came face to face with a man-eating lion. Uh, the second that the lion saw him, he went down for a spring, and then the same second the man brought his gun up, in that second that the lion jumped, he pulled a trigger. Unfortunately, he missed the lion. Fortunately, the lion misgaged and jumped over his head. And in that moment, he didn't say, now let's try that again. Uh, he took off running. The sweat was pouring off his brow and his knees were knocking together. And he got back to the mission station. He said, I've been a fool. He said, all these years, I'm carrying this... Uh, this rifle for today. 
And if that lion hadn't jumped over me, I'd be dead. He says, this isn't going to happen to me anymore. He said, tomorrow I'm going to get a box of shells and a target. And I'm going to go over here, you know, at the edge of the mission property. And I'm going to put that target on, the, on a tree and I'm going to practice. So at sunup the next day, Michael, he's over there. He puts that, that uh, target on that tree. He goes back, you know, some meters or yards or whatever they are. Just enough to make it kind of realistic. And so, he, he, you know, he starts shooting. And man, he wasn't hitting anything. But, it, but, but he just got started and he heard this strange sound coming from the jungle off. He said, oh, wonder what? Oh, never mind. And so he keeps practicing some more. And now he begins to do better. And he's feeling kind of proud of himself. And there's that sound again. He thought, I wonder what's... No, no never mind. And uh, then he's hitting the bullseye. And boy, does he feel good. He said, man, that's not going to happen to me anymore. And then he hears that sound again. And this time his curiosity overcame him. He laid his gun down. He went and pulled back the jungle. And would you believe it? There was that same lion practicing shorter jumps. <laughs> There's a text for that. Huh? Your enemy, the devil, like a what? Uh, see, this is what we've got to be aware of. The devil is continually updating himself. In fact, there's another text that says, Be careful when you think you've made it. Take heed when you think you've made it, lest you mess up. And so the Christian life is not something you arrive at, it's something that's going on in the life all the time. <laughs> because the devil, the devil, the, uh, the devil, the lion's practicing shorter jumps. Uh, anyway, I had to tell you that story. Did you like that one all right? Yeah, okay. Now you know it's not true, don't you? Yeah, don't tell anybody that that really happened. So, uh, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And let's turn in our Bibles just here as we, before I start the last one. And, and, and it's uh, 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 Galatians 5. And it's 22 uh, and 20, uh, 23. Let's read it together, just like, in the, like we're doing a, you know, shall we do that together? Let's, now, I'm going to start, but, but stay with me now. Let's go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These all go together. I suggested on the first day that when you get home, go to your computer, put these on a card, take a magnet, put them on the fridge. Because these are not an option. This is what the Christian life's about. If you wonder what it's like to live like Jesus, it's this. It's this. And another thing that I've said in this little course, that, that you don't need Jesus uh, to do the other stuff. But you've got to have the Holy Spirit to do this. In other words, in, in fact, this is going to fit in with what I'm about to say. Uh, my dad's gone now, and he was a he was a minister for all my life, 
And by the way, I've got to tell you what my dad uh, uh, said one time. He said, the message of this church is not so much to save the lost. You can get saved in a Baptist church. You know what I'm saying? You can give your heart to Jesus wherever you're at. So, this church is not so much to save the lost as it is to keep the saved from being lost. Because the information that our brothers and sisters in Christ have is flawed. Do you know what the, one of the biggest false doctrines that's come on and it came in some of your lifetimes? If you were born in 19... No, you, you were, most of you weren't even from the 70s, were you? My lens, good night. And uh, I can't... Do you, but you are from the other century, aren't you? Everybody here is from the other from the other millennium, and uh, that's where I come from. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, one of the biggest heresies that's come into Christendom came in around 1970, and it, there was a book written called "The Late Great Planet Earth" by Hal Lindsey, and it and basically it brought alive what we call the uh, the doctrine of the secret rapture. And then, you know, it, it established itself, Michael, then. And then this Left Behind series put it in concrete. Because when I was young, everybody believed that Jesus was going to come in the clouds one time and every eye would see him. Baptists believed that, Methodists believed that. I'm telling you, they did. But when the secret rapture came along, it was fatal to truth. Because it teaches that uh, two comings of Jesus. And if you don't make the first one, you can catch the second one. You understand that, don't you? And it also teaches that it, it, it drums the Catholic Church out of the picture. Because the Antichrist is somebody in Europe sometime down. So you can see why everybody loves it. It gives you two chances to be saved. The Catholics, they think it's the greatest thing they ever heard because they're out of the picture. And by the way, if anybody ever asks you what you believe or, or who you believe the Antichrist is, just say this, I believe what the Reformers believe. That takes care of that. We, we believe what the Reformers believe. The Reformers, every one of them believed that it was the papacy. But see, this is important. What we need to do is link ourselves. We didn't start out of a vacuum. Do you know our founding fathers and mothers were Methodists? Did you know that? Methodists and Baptists. And also, they were pork-eating Sunday keepers. Did you, are you aware of that? Yeah, the little girl who was getting the visions? A pork-eating Sunday keeper. Does that tell you anything? That tells you that God's got people all over the place. Don't you think that we're the only one? Elijah thought that. He said, I'm the only one. <laughs> and, and God said, I got any number of people like you, Elijah. So let's, let's just understand that, that our church, we're not the only uh, true Christians. But that our message is a life and death issue for this time. Because, and what I use the word intelligence. I don't mean IQ. If we'd have had the right intelligence, 9-11 uh, would never have happened. 
And about a year ago, they were going to blow things up coming from Britain. They found out about it. It never happened. So our brothers and sisters in Christ have bad information. Huh? Jesus said there would be deception so well crafted that it would deceive who? The very elect. So God then, and another thing is this, that you've heard people say in other denominations that we use the Bible and the Bible only. You've heard that one? But don't forget this. Any of us, uh, it's the Bible and the Bible only as, as interpreted by somebody. For the simple reason that those who wrote the Bible aren't here. Now what's the point? The point is this. That through the generations, the Bible had been interpreted by lots of people. And things had got pretty well twisted. So that Mrs. White now is not more Bible, better than the Bible. huh? Mrs. White is a messenger that God sent in the last days to give the correct interpretation of the Bible. She's not another Bible, better than the Bible, or instead of the Bible. She herself said, I'm a messenger of the Bible. So at the end of the day, this is where we go. Uh, In other words, we don't go out to her, she sends us back to this. Because there are people that actually put Mrs. White above the Bible. Am I wrong on that? No. Hey, they don't read the Bible. They read Mrs. White. And so let's don't get messed up because she never meant it that way. You hear where I'm coming from? Am I right or wrong? Uh, and and now, now this is going to sound like rank heresy. We've got to be careful that Mrs. White's shopping list to Joseph, you know, get me uh, 10 pounds of potatoes and some celery and some carrots. Uh, that wasn't uh, the, a, a diet for, you know, to say, now you see that, what he, he had to bring? That's what, that's the inspired thing. Uh, that's <laughs> potatoes and carrots and celery. No. You hear where I'm coming from? Huh? In other words, and here's what I want to say too. I don't think this is heresy. Before you read any of the other uh, uh, books by Mrs. White, read the Conflict of the Ages series. Uh, they haven't been fooled with. Now, I, now this is going to be awful what I'm saying. I worked at the General Conference for seven years. And, and my office was right next door to the literature people. We're talking about the General Conference literature people. And one day I'm, I'm talking with the head of the General Conference literature thing. And listen to what he said. He said, you know, we just asked a man to do Mrs. White's writing on stewardship. He went me so far on stewardship. And he said, but the person who did it, he did the book too thick. Too many pages. So we've asked somebody else to do it. When I heard that, I thought, uh-oh. Because once that book comes out, it becomes God's word for stewardship, doesn't it? And then I realized that that's subjective, isn't it? In other words, if I'm going to pick everything that's said and, and you give me 200 pages to pick it in, it becomes very subjective. It doesn't mean it's not true, but it means that I have broken it down into what I feel is important about stewardship. And that's why, that's why I think it's really critical that, that we ground ourselves in what Mrs. White wrote from the beginning to the end. 
You hear where I'm coming from? Read the book that she did from the beginning to the end and you get it right. Not that we don't respect these other things, but let's don't lock them up. You hear where I'm coming from? Because we can twist it down so that it just... And this is what I've said in this whole seminar. Don't make your spiritual experience this big. It's bigger than any piece. The whole is the sum of its... While it's the sum of its parts, no part is the whole. And this is the, the, the danger I think any of us run in spiritual life. We'll squeeze it down. Don't do that. Anyway, so my dad, I'll talk about my dad. Uh, he used to write me letters. This was before, you know, uh, the email days. These days we communicate with each other speed of light. You know what I mean, how we do. Anyway, he wrote letters and his handwriting was awful. And uh, bless his heart, and you, you know, you get a letter, and it was thick, always thick. And there were sermons he preached to me. <laughs> and a letter, you know, he wouldn't say, how are you, how's the weather, and I'm fine, how are the kids, and all that. It was sermons. But you know, my daddy, I love his memory. He had one thing in his mind, and that was to win souls to Christ. One thing. And you talk about the weather, a ball game, he doesn't talking about that. He's talking about... His love for the Lord and winning souls. That was him. So that's why he'd write you a letter and had this little sermon built in. So that time he wrote me that letter. Uh, he said, and I mentioned this when I started, he said, uh, I don't think we ought to talk about the gifts of the Spirit till we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because remember I mentioned this the first day, you can get the gifts of the Spirit in the black market. Uh, these Pentecostals can have the gift of tongues and be fooling around with prostitutes. You know the story? And so, uh, anyway, I hadn't thought about it that way. And so, and so this kind of, I think, helped me. It turns my attention to the fruit of the Spirit. And I read the list. And I go down and I hit the bottom one. And, it, and it's, it's self-control. Temperance, we call that. And I thought, you know, I've prayed for all the, the fruit of the Spirit, but I don't think I've done self-control. I'm going to try to do that. And so I started praying for self-control. Now, I'm a type A personality. Have you noticed that? And in fact, when I was 37 years old, I lost half my blood uh, to a duodenal ulcer. 37? Man, you've got to be a bag of nerves to get an ulcer when you're 37 lose half your blood. So us type A personalities, we do things fast, man. Fast and furious. And, uh, and it brings on lots of uh, complications. And so I started praying for self-control and... Uh, and us nervous people, you know, it's like me. I come home from work, man. I take off my suit and I throw it on the bed, and you know, and, you know, do. And uh, and my wife never complained. She didn't say, "Honey, hang up your suit." She'd hang it up for me, which is pretty. When you get married, you want to check that out. That's not bad. <laughs> and anyway, but I was praying for what? Self-control. One day I come home from work. And I'm throwing my coat on the bed in my suit and I'm thinking, why not hang it up? Well, that's a new song. And so, and so I just hung my suit up and uh, the next day I hung it up again. And, and, I, and, and I wasn't taking a course in how to hang up suits you know, or anything like that. Or, or, you know, a psychology course and all that. And if you don't hang up your suits, you've got problems with your daddy or something like that. <laughs> 
So, uh, I was praying for what? Self-control. I started hanging up my suit. And you see, when you're really out of control in your life, you should have seen my closet. Now, on, the, on my wife's side of the closet, it was neat. Just ring, ring, you know. And her shoes were la, la, la. Do you see my side of the closet? Yuck. You know, <laughs> the shoes all pigeon-toed and, and, and uh, stuff just kind of hanging on there. And, and so, one day I went in there to hang up my suit and I looked at my closet and I said, Oh, yuck. This is ugly. And so, I put all the trousers together in one place. And I put the, the jackets in one place, you know, and, and the suits and all. And now, I wasn't taking a course in, you know, the better housekeeping or anything like that, or the home beautiful. It was, I was praying for what? Self-control. And look how it's affecting my life. <clears throat> and uh, uh, you should have seen my garage. Us people that are out of control, man, our garages are really bad. You can't even get the car in them, and those things. And there's one advantage to, to uh, being out of control, though, uh, uh, is that you've got more tools than everybody else. <laughs> because you lose them all the time. They're in there, you just can't find them. And uh, so, you, you know, you can't find a screwdriver, you go buy another one. And then, well, anyway, anyway, I, I, I just figured this is ugly. And I took the tool table and I fixed it up. And I've got a pegboard, and you know, got all the things, and a place for everything. And what's the rest of that? Everything in its place. But, but I, I, I left out a story. <clears throat> I was in Queens, New York, in the spring. And uh, it was back in the days when they had the health vans. They'd take blood pressure. You may remember that. And we did that in Florida. That's where it started. When I went to be community service person there, we had about 12 of those. And then uh, the Kretschmeyers took it to New York City, ma made it really popular and really big. And so I was in Queens, and, uh, and a young woman came on uh, the van uh, to have her blood pressure taken, and it was, you know, was kind of cold. She had her, she had her, uh, you know, her coat on, and we started talking. And she said, "I used to weigh 240 pounds." And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I don't know, you know, because I looked at it, I thought, she'd lost 100 pounds. And uh, so I said to her, you know, you would expect me, I said, how'd you lose the weight? She said, by prayer. I thought, wait a minute. You know, I've heard of these weight loss diets. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, slimming now and whatever they, because they, you know, even on the in Cheerio boxes, they'll tell if you eat the Cheerios, you lose weight. You know, they just got it all over the place. But <clears throat> when I heard her say prayer, <clears throat> I, I had never heard that before. And I asked her again, how'd you lose the weight? She said prayer again. I thought, this is far out. I never heard this. And that's what leads in to, to, to my whole experience with self. I started praying then. I thought, well, you know, I'll pray for self-control. And anyway, I fixed up my garage, and it just began to change my life. And I lost 20 pounds. Not bad, huh? And not bad, isn't that right? Because people my age are usually, you know what I mean? In fact, some of these young guys, like this guy, he looks really good, but I, I can see him 40 years from now. You know what I mean? I know what it's going to be like. And, uh, but remember, I was praying for what? 
Self-control. And, and, and it was affecting every area of my life. And, and I, now, now, one of the things I think that, that we tend to do, and I mentioned this, and they're probably mad at me, is that to us, uh, health is all about diet. But health's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. You know, you're going to be so proud of me. I, in my pocket, I got to show you. You're just going to love this. I feel so proud. You're going to say, I can't believe this. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. No, that's another. Where is that? Hmm. I got to find this. That's Costco. That's not it. I think this is it. I can't get it out. Would somebody get this out for me? No, that's not it. That's the parking thing. That's the Costco thing. There it is. You know what this is? I'm a card-carrying member of Valley's Health Club. Come on now. You know, you know, I know you want to give me a standing ovation. That's not bad, huh? What do you think about that, Michael? Not bad. You sure you should be. I belonged to that all last year. And, I, and aren't you proud of me? But I never went. $181 down the drain. But I'm not going to just give up. I joined again. Another $181. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been a few times I really have and I like to go in there now I'm not come on fella you think I'm in there bouncing the weights and all that no no I'm not in there for that by the way my youngest son is a, is a bulked up guy man he, in fact that's what got him in trouble he was a guy just looked about like William and me just you know kind of just regular and uh, he uh, one day one day he came home from school and he went to uh, Forest Lake Academy and I had a set of weights, aren't you impressed, on the back porch. They were from Sears. You ever see the Sears weights? They're, they're just plastic things filled with the concrete. And you know what I'm saying, they're just really cheap. And, and, and I saw Dan pick up those weights and put them in the air. And he'd never done that before. And, and as, now watch this. As I saw him do it, I had some mirrors on the back porch, just you know, ornamental mirrors, narrow ones. And I saw him look at himself in the mirror. And I thought, what's that about? But I later learned that weightlifting is not for muscles. It's for beauty. <laughs> Have you ever been to a health club? Solid mirrors. Uh, does that tell you anything? So those weightlifters get in there and they... They should, they, don't they do that? Get all pumped up. Shave their arms. Like that, man. Hey, hey, you know, it can be really vain. It can be really vain. Anyway, he was working on the campus of the academy and, uh, and his supervisor was another young guy that was like this. And the young guy said, you could accelerate that if you take steroids. And there was the beginning of the end for my boy. He got into that and he ratcheted it up. 
This is why when I see big muscle men, I don't want to give them a round of applause. I want to cry. My daughters are beautiful. But beauty and muscles has caused me a lot of grief in my life. Caused me. By the way, let me speak to this girl. You know, the society says if you want to really be something, you've got to be sexy. And uh, have you ever noticed that the person you don't know, you'll describe the way they look. The person you do know, you describe the kind of person they are. And, 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 and we were talking about it at breakfast. I was talking with Dr. Nedley. And now, let me tell you, this is off the subject of self-control, but, you know, I talk a lot about lots of stuff. But let me tell you about us men. We're dirty old men. I'm just going to admit it. And, and, and we can't excuse that. But I can't for the life of me, and I know I'm not talking to you girls, uh, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why women as a genre are, are given to taking their clothes off. The first, the first uh, uh, consequence of sin was Adam and Eve lost their clothes. The first act of redemption was God put them back on. But since then, the women insist on taking their clothes off. And I'm going to get, can I get x-rated? I, I know I'm talking to the choir, so I know you girls are all right. But you've got to watch out, too. But there's a thing now that's going down in the front. Have you noticed that? That's new. That's new for, our, for the clothes styles. It's going down in the front. Have you noticed that? And coming up in the back. I don't understand it. And I've even, I don't preach sermons about it. And, and I even don't think I should mention it as a man. And that is, is that uh, how does a girl want to be perceived? As a sex object or as a person? And, and when I mention this like I'm doing now, I never say more than this, is that the text, let it not be the outward adorning, is the women's lib text of all. Because God is saying, honey, I love you as a person. And I can't think, and I've asked girls, what do you want to be seen as, sexy or a person? And every one of them say, I want to be seen as a person. But then so many of them dress like you know what. I think it's time, I'm talking to the choir, I think it's time for us dirty old men to get together and talk about purity. And I think it's time for the daughters of God to do the same. I really do. Because women can be seducers. In fact, I read that in the scripture the other day, seducing the men. Because women can have the ultimate power over a man. And they play it up. You hear where I'm coming from? So girls, you live in an environment that's filthy. It's filthy. And that's the way it was in the... Well, it's always been that way. The Roman days, the Pompeii. It's always been that way, but not like it. In other words, this is new. It's come back in vicious circles. And, 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 and this is why, as sons and daughters of God, uh, if we just go with the flow, we're going to hell. But at the same time, we're in the world. But what's it say? In the world, but not of the world. Be separate. Uh, be separate. Anyway, what was I praying for? Self-control. Self and, you know, and I, I showed you I belonged to valleys and everything. And, uh, and you were proud of me, weren't you? And that's not bad for, you know, having white hair like I do. Is that bad? No, I'm doing good. 
But, but probably one of the biggest uh, things, and I'm not a doctor, but I feel that one of the biggest things in health is uh, exercise. You know, you can say, uh, I've been on a celery diet now for six years. And I have nothing but baked celery and fried celery and boiled celery and raw celery. In fact, you can say, I was talking to my friend the other day and he said you shouldn't bake or fry it or you should have it only raw. <laughs> so I'm into raw celery. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm ridiculing that. Uh, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, but health is this big too. It's this big too. And I think that, especially as you get older, that exercise is the one that we fall out of. In fact, I tell the joke, I said, our great-grandpas are, are uh, now I'm going way back, you know, they used to eat every, every morning for breakfast pork chops, you know, uh, fried in lard and covered with pig's ears, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but how did they survive? Because they walked behind a mule all day. And that right? They, they walk by. And exercise hides a multitude of other... Indi- now, I'm not saying, uh, that shall we have which shall we have? But if we're going to be broad and we're going to be... We're going to have to... We want to put it all in. We want to put it all in. And, and that exercise one is a big one for me. It's a big one. Now, I, down in Florida, I, I'm, I know I'm going to make you really cry when I say this. You know, when I go home on Sunday, I got flowers booming in my backyard. Doesn't that make you want to just burst into tears? And uh, my, I talked to my wife yesterday. It's in the 70s. Doesn't that make you just break your heart? And I have a gardens growing this time of year. And I'm growing uh, lettuce. And uh, I'm growing uh, two kinds of lettuce and onions. And broccoli and cauliflower. It's the cooler kind of stuff. And I just love growing stuff like that. I don't have any 10 acres. It's just eight, two 8 by 8s but it's, you know, it's a thrill to grow stuff. When you think of a little seed that big, isn't that a miracle? Boy, that's a miracle. I just, I just am thrilled by that. <clears throat> this whole thing of nature is, uh, <clears throat> is just glorious. What does it say? The heavens declare the glory of God. And it's firm. I, I was in Africa one time and I saw something I've never seen before. See, over here, when we see the stars, the light is blocking out a lot of them. But when you get to a place that's completely dark, you know stars go clear to the bottom. I woke up one, one night in the middle of the night, and I was, took my breath away. There at the bottom, you know, where sky joins earth, the stars started right then and went clear across the top. It's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. And anyway... The God we serve. Isn't it, isn't it incredible what he is? And when I thought of Jesus, because what does uh, uh, John say? All things were made by him. Everything. And without him, there's nothing made that was made. And I thought, who is this? Who is this? He walked amongst us. Uh, we treated him so bad. <clears throat> I didn't tell you this story. <clears throat> what, what am I talking about? Self-control. But you're, you know, you're, you're catching on to that, aren't you? Uh, I was over in India, and uh, I was in uh, Delhi, I think. And and they had back in those days the trains, and they probably still got them. But uh, 
they had a first-class compartment. Now, it's not what you think. It was about this big. And, and when you'd sit, uh, in other words, there'd be three people here and three people here. And, those, and then the bed would fall, flop down. You could sleep all night. But anyway, so I'm there. And, and I, I've got a missionary's daughter, about 12, sitting here beside me. The, the father and the mother were here. And there was a, 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 their son was here. And we're sitting there, and this side was the window of the, uh, of the train, and there were bars on it. By the way, in most of the countries of the earth, your house has got bars on the windows. And uh, in fact, you know, and this happens many times, the good guys are behind bars, and the bad guys are free. So, <laughs> but anyway, anyway uh, in fact, things are getting rough in Orlando. I got a call from my uh, granddaughter the other day and she said grandpa don't go down to where we buy groceries they're robbing a bank down there and uh, they were but anyway it's not that bad but so I'm sitting on where, where am I sitting on the train and the train's just beginning to roll and suddenly I feel something cold and wet on, on my face and I thought it was water dripping on me and so I looked up thinking it was dripping you know like an air conditioner might drip and I looked up and it was just a fan going, you know, back and forth. And then I did this with my fingers and I looked at my fingers and they were red like blood. But it wasn't blood, it was spit by somebody who was chewing betel nut. Now, I don't know if you know what betel, betel nut is. These guys are like chewing tobacco, but it's red. It's a slight narcotic effect. I guess they get a buzz from it or something like that. And so apparently what happened is this guy saw us as foreigners, and he thought, all my life, I've been wanting to spit on these guys. <laughs> and so, just the train is moving, he said, here goes nothing. We never saw anything. We didn't. But the reason I tell you this story is because um, when I was spit on that day, I thought of Jesus. And I thought, you know, I deserve to be spit on. I don't know why, but you know, the, you know, you could probably justify it somewhere along the line. But Jesus didn't deserve to be spit on. Despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And I've been reading about Jesus lately, you know, in John, and and, the, and I just cry. I I literally cried. Why did we treat you that way? What have we done to you? He's our Creator. He's the one that made everything. And we spit on him and we kill him. And I'm so sorry for that. If we could only make it up to him. But he's gone to prepare a place for us. And he said, I'll come again and receive you. We know when you're going to come. Don't worry, he will. And uh, let not your heart be troubled. And don't be afraid. Things look kind of bad. And they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. This is the tip of the iceberg. You know, we say, well, you know, you know, is this, well, you know, the time of trouble is going to come. It's already here. Because I said in the very beginning, the devil's going for our mind. He's changing the way we think. And that's including the good guy. And you can even notice this in the fellowship of the church. It's splitting now. You notice that? In other words, there's a side now 
that's lining up with world. Now this doesn't mean that we're better than they are. Because the scripture says, take heed when you think you stand. In other words, we're still everything that they are. And we could be that tomorrow. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's critical that we have the devotional life. It's critical that we have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Because you can know what day to go to church. But that's not going to be the big one. The big one is now. That Sunday thing is going to just separate the In other words, it doesn't do anything. It just shows. In other words, it shows which side you're on. And you were there before it happened. And so, and so, you know, speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, I was in a Sabbath school class one day. And the teacher said, we need to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I raised my hand. I say, it is being outpoured. Pray that you'll get in on it. And that's true. Remember what Mrs. White said that, that when the Holy Spirit was outpoured, uh, the ones that weren't getting it won't even know it was there. So we're waiting for an earthquake or a hurricane. and, and uh, It's on now. It's on now. And this is why, as I've said before, let's make it wide and deep and don't shrink it. And it's about heart issues. Remember I said, in other words, you don't need to be born again to go to church on Saturday. The people that killed Jesus were the best Sabbath keepers. The Pharisees. But they hated other people. So in my way of thinking, you know, now now, now I was raised as a young person. uh, By the way, you know, when I was a child, we got ready for the Sabbath. We honored the Sabbath. Uh, On Friday, we, 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 we... Polished our shoes. Back, by the way, you won't know about this, but back in those days, we only had two pairs of shoes, not two hundred. We had one for Sabbath and one for school. We had two sets of clothes, one for school and one for church. And we were poor, but we didn't know it. Because everybody was like that. But anyway, before Sabbath, they cleaned the house. You'd fix your clothes. Mama cooked the food. And you can say, well, you're just a bunch of legalists. That's what you're going to hear all over the place these days. That's legalism. That's not legalism. Honoring the Sabbath isn't legalism. And don't let them push you around with that word. Uh, we, we delight to do God's will. Uh, because we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. In fact, I said to my wife the other day, I said, I want to push down on the Sabbath a little bit. See, it's hard to get home at 530 from work, and now everybody works, and to be ready for the Sabbath. And this is why, if we're going to... Now, I, I don't like to use the word keep even. You know what I mean. Now, keep, yes, yes indeed. But honor is a better word. Yeah. Honor is... Oh, by the way, I tell this story. My wife was raised in Orlando, and, and I hate to think about it, but she had other boyfriends before I came into her life. It just, pain, it just pains me to think about that. I thought I was the only one. But, uh, so we moved back to Orlando. And, uh, and once in a while, her old boyfriends would come over, you know, over to the house. 
And, uh, and uh, because, because they were friends, you know, with her folks, you know, their folks with, you know, that was kind of the way it was. And so their folks were friends and, sh- and they would have their, their boyfriends and girlfriends. Anyway, I've, we've had them over and they've taken us out to eat. Isn't that something? That'll blow your mind. Anyway, uh, I didn't mind that. But you know one, one thing I'd never do? And that is I'd say, Betty, you know next week is our anniversary. Why don't you get your old boyfriends and I'll get my old girlfriends and we'll go out to eat. <laughs> no. No, old boyfriends and old girlfriends any time but on anniversary time. And you know the reason I tell you that story is that what makes the Sabbath go? Uh, it, it's not just lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's that Sabbath, Sabbath is really special because it's it's an anniversary. It's between us and God, and, and and we all come together because we're all the same family. Because you notice people are saying they're saying, well, you know. You know, God wants us to keep the Sabbath, so let's go to Olive Garden. Because, you know, if you stay home, you have to wash the dishes. (laughs) But, you know, going to the Olive Garden on Sabbath is like having the old boyfriends over. Well, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the choir, but the Sabbath is at risk. It's slipping. And I, and it's just, and I don't think, I don't think we wake up and say, I, I don't think I want to keep this. It just happened. I, back in the old days, and, and, and I even, in the last two Sabbaths, I remembered it. Back in the old days, and you're going to, people say, well, you're a legalist. Back in the old days, we wouldn't just talk about anything on Sabbath. And you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, I said, well, sh- well sure, you know, we'll, we'll go to church and blah, 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 but we'll talk about anything on Sabbath. Well, how's it going on the job? Well, just find I made a million dollars this week. You don't say my car broke down. And, on and on and going. Am I right on that? And uh, and so some way, some way we've got to pray. You know, Lord, this is a special day. There remains a rest for the people of God. But I think we have to we have to break the shackles. See, the world is is closing in on us. It's like you know somebody said that. Uh, well, you've heard about the pythons. That wrap themselves around you and, 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 and they just, see, every time you breathe, one of those big snakes is on you. When you let out the air, he just, he closes it. Until finally you, you can't bring it up anymore. By the way, I had a friend who was doing snakes. That was kind of his hobby. And he was telling me about, uh, pythons. He said, uh, he said, if they get one wrapped around you and you feel him closing down on you, just reach down and lift up his tail. Cause he uses his tail as a point of leverage. <laughs> So he'll put that tail down and then he'll just, he said, you just reach down, lift up his tail, he loses his hold on you. And I thought, you know, we need to do that with the, with the world. It's closing in on us, just lift up his tail. <laughs> that sounds crazy, but we gotta do that intentionally. Because if not, without even knowing it, it closes in on us. You know, wipe us out. The Sabbath is, is at risk. And so, but the question is, are we almost done or are we done or my timekeeper, she really gets mad when we go. I think we've gone a four minutes. Oh man, because you know, you know, she sleeps until the until her alarm clock rings, and then she starts waving her hands and all that. No, she really doesn't. But um, by the way, you know, uh, 
I don't know why it is, but sleeping is one of the big occupational hazards of going to church. And so, I mean, I have the same problem. Uh, I can be just full of energy and go to church and just... I mean, you can have, you can have what is it, insomnia. And, and, and if you want to get over insomnia, go to church. And, and that'll take care of it. And so uh, I have these uh, revivals. And so I'll start uh, right after the potluck. I don't know who gave it that name, by the way. Isn't that gross? Potluck. Well, you say, we don't call it potluck. We call it uh, fellowship meal. Oh, that's still kind of, call it vegetarian cuisine. <laughs> Doesn't that sound better? That's high class. So anyway, anyway, so sometimes I start the meetings at two o'clock after the vegetarian cuisine, and uh, and the people are kind of sleepy. And so one day, but remember, see, I watch people real close. I'm watching you close. I can tell when you put your head down, and I, I saw you putting your head down. I, I don't know whether I don't know whether you were praying or what you were doing. But I was worried for a little bit. And uh, you're what? Uh, okay. This, uh, so, so I remember she was sitting over here on the left, on the speaker's left. And it was just after, uh, it was about 2 o'clock, and she went to sleep. And it wasn't just a graceful little sleep. It was like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was dramatic. And, uh, and I saw her sleeping over there. I looked over there and I said to the congregation, look over there. <laughs> and when they all turned and looked, she woke up. And guess what? She didn't go to sleep no more. <laughs> By the way, the sleeping in church. Man, I've gotten off the subject of self-control, haven't I? But, but you caught on to that, didn't you? And uh, speaking of, of sleeping in church, over in, over in the Philippines, uh, you know about that. Uh, a person was possessed of a demon. And you know, sometimes they'll talk to demons. Now, I don't think that's a good thing, personally. And, and so they were talking to this demon, and they said to, to it, do you ever go to church? And he said, I go to church every Sabbath. And they said, what do you do? I make the people go to sleep. That means the old split hoof told the truth for the first time in his life. Because <laughs> isn't that somehow that works? See, the devil wants to choke it out. But what's the text say? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But don't resist it this big. Resist it this big. And also, I think it's critical to know that we all fall short of the glory of God. But to know that if we'll confess that we're wrong, he's faithful and just to forgive. i got to tell you this once... Don't check me out. Give me this last one. And I've mentioned this before. One time I was going to speak at a, at a penitentiary in, in this, uh, uh, two hours south of where I live in Orlando. I had been there before, but Michael, I forgot how to get there. I, I have a simultaneous attacks of amnesia and deja vu. So, you know, I, I just drive along, just, you know. And when you have your wife with you, you don't have to worry. She tells you every turn to me. Anyway, uh, but I was alone. And uh, I had been down there before. I was going to speak at the, at the penitentiary in Okeechobee. And uh, so uh, I wasn't worrying about it for an hour. You know, that I got two hours. 
And an hour and a half, I thought, it's coming on. But I wasn't seeing any Okeechobee. And then I began to see the sugarcane fields. And I thought, this doesn't look like Okeechobee. So I stopped at the first convenience uh, store and I went in and I said to the guy, uh, when am I going to get to Okeechobee? He said, never. <laughs> he said, you're going to Miami. I didn't want to go to Miami. I want to go to Okeechobee. Now, he said, I, he, now you know what I could have said? When he told me I was never going to get there, I'd say, man, what you doing? Put me down. You're messing around with my self-esteem, man. <laughs> Isn't that what they talk about these days? Like, come on out in the parking lot, man. Nobody can talk to me this way. <laughs> so when I tell this story, I say what I had to do was repent. What is repent? Admit you're wrong. In other words, if I stuck up for myself, I'm never going to get to Okeechobee. And I want to tell that to, to all of us here that we make mistakes. We fall short of the glory of God. But repentance is something that keeps us on the track. Sure, do we? But, and we can't work under the... In other words, repentance isn't guilt. I used to have a... Uh, uh, I don't know what it was, a Ford, and I forgot what year it was. It had idiot lights. You fellows know what idiot lights... They don't have them that way anymore. In other words, if the engine was hot, the idiot light came on. But, when it, but you, you were an idiot because when that light came on, it was already burnt up. <laughs> See? You know, the, and, and the oil. When that, when that red thing came on, it had already happened. That's why they call it idiot light. And so, and so I burnt the engine two times. And uh, I was an idiot two times, Michael. And uh, then I put gauges on it. And the gauge then told you how hot it was. And it told you how much oil was in it. And I think in the Christian life, isn't it about that? Every day we're pressing on toward the mark of the high calling. It doesn't yet appear what we will be. But we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. We will. Heavenly Father, we're going to be in a day or so going home. Uh, back to what it is. and We pray that this time here won't be a fantasy or a getaway. But Lord, that we will have grown and that uh, and that we'll have seen it clearer and that we'll go back Lord uh, d d not only determined but but uh, w w having you more by your spirit in our hearts and and we want our our folks to know about that not because we're going to tell them because they're just going to know it and our brothers and sisters and the students that we're with and uh, and everybody that that they'll know that we've been with Jesus in his name we pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at Audioverse.org dot org and at hopevideo.com